Hello, dear friends. This is Pastor Evangelist Robert Venable inviting you to stay tuned for this edition of Let's Talk About Jesus right here on WMAF. Wherever you're hearing this broadcast, anywhere in the United States, anywhere in the world, any place that you are right now, we're so glad that you have tuned in. We're so glad that you uh, have come to our website to download this teaching. I believe it is important because it's coming from God's Word. This is God's instruction manual to you and to me. People who are living, and I believe I can say this and biblically support it, however, I won't go into prophecy per se today, but I I really do believe, uh, having studied the Bible for all of these years, been the senior pastor of this ministry for 43 years and counting, I believe that we are living in the last of the last days. I believe the coming of Christ is very, very near. And I believe all of the prophecies that mark this time are being quickly fulfilled. If they're not already fulfilled, they are being fulfilled. And it's happening very, very fast. And one of those prophecies is that that day shall not come speaking of those events that will occur to mark the end time and will be happening when Christ appears, that day shall not come except there come a falling away first. And then that man of sin, that Antichrist who will stand up during the tribulation is going to come into play and be put into play and allow uh, to take control of a world that is out of control and who will be glad to embrace this seeming peacemaker who is really the one that Satan will use to do such destruction upon this world and upon mankind. Listen, friend of mine, today is the day to draw close to God. This is the time to make that decision to receive Christ as your Savior, and if you are a Christian, to live a devoted Christian life to begin to to rearrange our life to represent a different kingdom than the kingdom of this world that is about to crumble and fall. Oh, friend of mine, God loves you today, and I'm so glad to be a, an ambassador for Jesus Christ and to represent His great love and His great gospel to everyone who will listen and everyone who will receive it. So today we want to talk about True devotion, true devotion. Many times we have uh, approached this subject of the first love uh, and and how to rekindle the first love. Uh, but I have learned down through many, many years and many, many tears as a pastor that there are people who have never had it kindled. And so it's impossible for it to be rekindled. Kindled. Some people have come to Christ just out of fear of being lost, fear of going to hell. They haven't embraced Him uh, and, and had the love for Him stimulated by appreciating His great sacrifice at the cross. And that's why a song that was written over 300 years ago by Isaac Watts becomes the beginning statement on this subject 
true devotion today. I want to re, I want to just give you the lyrics of that song. You may remember it. I remember it from my day. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast save in the death of Christ my God. All in vain, things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to His blood. See from His head, His hands, His feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did ever such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small, Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. This song is about true devotion, stimulated by such a great love that was expressed and proven in the suffering of Jesus in our behalf on the cross. That's where the first love is kindled. And that's where we have to go back to, to focus on, to have it rekindled in our heart and in our life. This true devotion to God only comes when we respond to His great love by returning it in kind. We don't love Christ because He's our great Creator, our God, our King. We revere Him and honor Him for these things, but we love him because he's our great sacrifice lamb, our substitute, and thereby our Savior. First John 4 and verse 19 says it very clearly. We love him because he first loved us. That's why in Romans 12, it says, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, Paul is trying to stimulate them to devotion, true devotion, by responding to God's mercy expressed in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. I beseech you by the mercies of God that you offer your body a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto the Lord, which is your reasonable service. And and be not as we as we we interpret the scripture, be not be not pressed into the world's mold, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove or exemplify what is that good and perfect will of God, an acceptable will of God. You see, that devotion comes by reciprocating love, by being stimulated to love by His love, and then returning that love unto Him, expressed in true devotion. God always takes the love initiative. While He is fully justified in commanding us to love Him with all our heart and and everything that we are and everything that we have, He stimulates us to love that way by His sacrificial death on the cross in our behalf. When we deserve judgment, dear friends, He gave us mercy. He took our punishment. He gave His Son. Christ gave His life and died an agonizing death. And Paul calls this a great love. 
in Ephesians 2, 1 through 5. Listen to it carefully. It says, And you hath he quickened, literally given life, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience among whom also we had our conversation in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath he quickened us together with Christ by grace ye are saved. I like it from the uh, Amplified New Testament. It says, great, wonderful, and intense love. And another Bible scholar says, this great love was the special grounds for Christ saving us. He is rich in mercy because he is great in Love, according to Bingle. Hallelujah. I want to say that again. He is rich in mercy because he is great in love. Hallelujah. The last wedding I, I, I performed, I made a statement to the bride and groom. The secret, I said, to a happy marriage is falling in love many times, but always with the same person. Falling in love many times, but always with the same person. We used to sing the Christian song of devotion. I keep falling in love with him over and over, over and over again. And the secret to staying in love is continuing to fall in love. And the secret of continuing to fall in love is to have love stimulated in us. Praise God. You you know if you brought a if you brought flowers to your wife and it wasn't your anniversary or your va- or Valentine's Day, uh she may wonder what you're up to. <laughs> she may say, "What have you done now?" Hey, Amen. It would shock her so much. But this is the kind of thing uh that is so vital and so important. This is what Jesus talked about in Revelation chapter 2 to a church that had lost their first love. They were doing everything mechanically, methodically. They were keeping commandments. They were obeying uh, uh, certain principles of the faith until he commended them for all of that. But he said, I've got something against you, and it must have shocked them. And I'm going to read what it was in Revelation chapter 2, verse 4 and 5. And he said to the church at Ephesus, Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, because thou hast left thy first love. Remember, therefore, from whence thou art fallen, and repent, and do the first works. Or else I'll come to thee quickly and will remove thy candlestick out of its place, except thou repent. This is an intolerable situation to God and to Christ, that we would serve him out of a lesser motive than loving him with all of our heart and being truly devoted to him. Not just practicing a catechism or a creed, uh, but absolutely loving him enough to want to serve him, not practicing a religion, 
but developing a continual relationship with him. Praise God. He doesn't want us to just do what he said because he said it. He wants us to or do what he said because we stand in dread of him and fear of him. He wants us to obey him because we love him and revere him. Hallelujah. Praise God. Remember from whence thou art fallen and repent and do the first works. And the very first works is when we came to Christ as our Savior and had this overwhelming sense of appreciation for Jesus taking our place on the cross so that our sins could be forgiven. That is when, and that is where, and that is why the first love was kindled in the first place. And that is where the first love has to be rekindled. We have to remember, we have to remember, and we have to focus once again Oh, on the wondrous cross where Jesus died for us. So the first step is to remember how it was when we loved the Lord with all of our heart. If you've lost the first love, it happened when you lost appreciation for his love for you. I want to say that again. If you and I have lost the first love, it happened when we lost appreciation for his love for us. When it, when it became a given. Yes, I know Jesus died for me. No big deal is, is what our heart is saying. It's just a given. Oh yeah, I know he suffered. I know it was six hours. I know all of that. I have that head knowledge, but I don't have that heartfelt appreciation for what he endured on those six hours. We need it reiterated that the first love might be rekindled. And that's why we have a Holy Communion service to remember. That's what it's all about. It's to rekindle that first love and therefore reinstate that true devotion to the Lord. So it doesn't become just methodical, mechanical, routine, ritualistic practice of the right religion. It becomes the, the outgrowth of a relationship of reciprocal love between God and us. Praise God. Repent and do your first works. It means going back to the cross, back to the place where we were filled with joy because we see just how much God has given us in Christ and how much Christ has expressed that love. Real, passionate, intense love for God is renewed when we truly remember. Hallelujah. There's sometimes an honesty in some of the hymns of old. In come thou fount of many blessings, the songwriter declares the very real battle that we all fight within. Listen to it carefully. I want to read the lyrics to this. Come thou fount of every blessing, true Tune my heart to sing thy praise and thy grace. Streams of mercy never ceasing call for songs of loudest praise. Teach me some melodious sonnet sung by flaming tongues above. Praise the mount. I'm fixed upon it. Mount of thy redeeming love. And I'm going to just skip down to this part. 
prone to wander, prone to wander. God, I feel it, prone to leave the God I love. Oh, to grace, how great a debtor daily I'm constrained to be. Let thy goodness like a fetter bind my wandering heart to thee. Prone to wander. Lord, I feel it prone to leave the God I love. Here's my heart. O God, take and seal it, seal it for thy courts above. In your flesh and mine, we have we are prone to wander, to get so involved in this world and the responsibilities of life and the distractions of just living and making a living that we are in danger of, yes, we still, we, we don't leave God in terms of just turning our back on Him. We're leaving that intimate, personal, precious, powerful, passionate relationship with Him. We're not seeking God for intimacy. We're just seeking Him to help us find that job, to heal our body, to help us with this family relationship, to help us meet our bills. We're not taking time to sup with Him and allow Him to sup with us. And this really causes a last day prophecy uh, to come into play. And, and there you can see the danger and the warning in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 24. And I'm going to begin reading down to verse 13. Listen to it carefully. It said, And Jesus went out and departed from the temple, and his disciples came to him for to show him the buildings of the temple. And Jesus said unto them, See ye not all these things verily? Which means, surely I say unto you, there shall not be left here one stone upon another that shall not be thrown down. And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming, and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you, for many shall come in my name saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars, see that you be not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Unique word here because the word sorrows literally means in the Greek birth pangs. And you know how birth pangs work. Uh, if you uh, are a family man, if you're a woman, you really know what birth pangs do. Uh, if you go to the hospital having birth pangs, uh, it means that contractions are occurring and the birth is imminent. And one of the first questions they will ask you or they will determine is how close together those birth pangs are. See, they've always been wars and rumors of wars and famines and pestilences. In fact, there's always been earthquakes. But when they begin to come back to back with an increasing frequency, then it is an indication that something is about to occur prophetically. And he said these are the beginning of the birth pangs, uh, and that means the end is near. It's not here but it is near. And then verse 9 says, And then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted, and shall kill you, 
You shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise, and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. Now, friend, it can't cool down. It can't cool off if it wasn't hot to begin with. This is not about the lost and dying world that has never known Christ. This is people who have known Him, but they've turned a passionate, intimate relationship into a practice of a dead religion. Because religion is dead without a relationship with God. It is a man-made thing, and it may be the right thing, but it's the wrong attitude with which to practice it. But he that shall endure to the end, the same shall be saved. This message of reciprocating love, of rekindling the flame of the first love, is crucial to people living in a day when the love of many would wax cold. I'm going to tell you when love begins to cool off and become cold, there is no devotion. And where there's no devotion, there's no discipleship. There's no true follower of Jesus Christ without a devotion to Jesus Christ. Because of the fallen nature of the flesh, our hearts are prone to wander, to leave the God we once loved. Satan cannot use the world system effectively against us unless our love cools down. That's why we are to remember his great love for us and ha- and allow that focus on his suffering for our sake to rekindle the flame of the first love hallelujah praise god hallelujah this is so crucial today i have been a preacher of the gospel and a pastor of a church for 43 years and counting and one of the hardest things for me to endure is not to just watch people backslide, but watch people continue to call themselves a Christian without a commitment, a devotion to follow Christ. To even continue to come to church intermittently or even come to church uh, uh, in, in a way that would indicate that they're highly devoted. It's just the thing to do on Sunday but not to have their heart touched anymore by His suffering, His sacrificial death, His great love. Oh, we love Him because He first loves us. The first and great commandment is to love God with everything we are and everything that we have. And yet He doesn't expect us to keep it simply because it is commanded. He expects us to keep the commandment by letting His love for us stimulate our love for Him to that degree. That is true devotion. And that's why Paul didn't just talk about being truly devoted in Romans 12. He started with, I beseech ye, brethren, by the mercies of God, (laughs) that you present your body a living sacrifice. The whole of your being, in true devotion to God, holy and acceptable unto God, 
which is your reasonable service. One translation of that is that is your true spiritual worship. It's not enough to sing a song with the choir or even in the choir on Sunday morning. God wants true worship to come from a true love and devotion that is developed in the heart. Man looks on the outward appearance. We see a, a, a cloistered choir robed with beautiful robes singing a well-practiced hymn of the faith or praise song. And we assume presumptuously that everyone in that choir is truly dedicated to God. And friend of mine, God looks past all of that performance and he looks upon the heart. And there he sees true devotion or he sees religious ritual. And at the church of Ephesus, he commended them for keeping the right religious rules to the letter. They were doing what he commanded them to do, but they were not doing it because they loved him with all their heart, mind, soul, and body. They were doing it out of their commitment to practice the right religion instead of develop a growing relationship of intimacy with God. And let me remind you, he said, this is intolerable. This is not representative of my kingdom. This is not what my sacrifice and my suffering should have brought forth from you. It should have brought a true devotion. And this is what we want to recapture. If, you, if you're a real child of God today, you want it back. You don't want the cold, callous uh, indifference uh, to the cross. You want a passionate response. You want to sense the presence of God in your heart and in your life on a daily basis. And you don't just go to church because it's Sunday. S-O-N-D-A-Y. Hallelujah. You go to seek God. You go to worship God. You go to reverence God in true devotion and receive His Word and let it, let it mold you and make you into a holy representative of an entirely different kingdom than the kingdoms of this world. Praise God. Amen. And today I pray, as we look back to the cross, even though our flesh is prone to wander, and Satan will use everything at his disposal through the world system to t break our focus, to cause our love for Christ to begin to cool down. That we will remember that God has called us to something higher. <laughs> there, there, there's a secular song that says there must be a higher love. There must be a better love than all of these 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 relationships that are so easily and quickly broken that we thought would last a lifetime, where our hearts are broken because someone we thought loved us has now left us. How it hurts our hearts. There must be, the secular song says, a higher love. Well, friend, there is a higher love. And that higher love comes from a, cre a complete abandonment of self in order to express a true devotion to Christ. If any man would be my disciple, Jesus said he must deny himself. It starts with self-denial. Now all selfishness and self-centeredness and self-exaltation must be canceled. Or else, or else we will not take up our cross in order to follow 
our Christ. So today, in order to be a follower of Christ, an upstream Christian (laughs) in a downstream world, we need true devotion. And it means that we need to refocus upon the cross and the suffering of Christ in our behalf and the God who watched it all happen and let it let it go to the very, very, very end of the suffering where all his wrath was burnt up in Christ. When he heard the words, it is accomplished, it all stopped and it was over. And friend of mine, it's an ongoing thing. The cross is an ongoing thing. And I pray today as we survey the wondrous cross that we will indeed Amen. Have the first love rekindled. And today, if you're not a Christian, as we as Christians today have been surveying the wondrous cross, I pray in the name of Jesus Christ that you will come to Him, that you will repent of your sin right where you are right now, and that you will receive Jesus as your Savior. And the God who you did not love because you could not reciprocate love because you haven't received it yet in the form of His grace and mercy that today you will do that and that you will begin to serve Him because you love Him so much and you're so filled with gratitude for what He's given you when He gave His life for you. Ah, friend, there's nothing better than this in all of the world. Would you come back next week and let's talk about Jesus.